Welcome to day 235 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Camp here with Cindy Camp and David Keefe. And we continue our journey through the New Testament. We've uh, begun with the uh, Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the more deeply rich Jewish uh, writings of Scripture where Matthew makes a big connection between the Old Testament Scripture and the story of Christ. He's done that initially in the genealogy where he has told us the story of the covenant of Abraham, the covenant of David, the exile, when God removed his presence from the people of Israel with a promised return that will be fulfilled in Christ. And so you'll hear the word several times through the Gospel of Matthew, the word fulfilled. And what he is talking about is not so much that there was a prediction that is fulfilled in Christ, but there is an Old Testament story that has been incomplete, and it's finding its fullness in Christ. So we come to chapter 2. In Luke, we have a long birth narrative. In uh, Matthew, we simply have the fact that uh, uh, Jesus was born, and we go directly to uh, something that's unique, you know, to the Gospel of Matthew, the visit of the Magi. But before we do that, as always, when we read, we read to know God. Uh, we read for our hearts to be uh, turned toward God and, and for us to uh, desire to serve Him and be shaped by Him in a much deeper way. So before we read, we always offer ourselves and the moment to the Lord. So, Cindy, would you do that for us? Sure. Um, Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word and thank you for the gift of this particular gospel of Matthew just another opportunity to see the life of Jesus up close and father as we read through these chapters may um, may they deeply impact our heart and change us and father make us more look more like your son it's in Christ's name we pray amen uh, Matthew 2 and 3 after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. 
A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he of who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warmed you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We are Abraham, uh, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winning fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat in the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Interesting story. We begin this section with the story of uh, the Magi. Uh, We have no idea who these people are. They're coming from the east, which is uh, the land of the exile, which we've just Mm -hmm. talked about in chapter one. Uh, So they may have been, you know, Syrian or Babylonian or, you know, part of the conquerors of Israel, but influenced by some of the teachers of Israel. And we certainly know that. you know, Daniel during his time was over all of the astrologers and over all of the magicians mm-hmm. and of his age. And, and the word magi is, is a very similar word. Uh, we have no Old Testament prophecy really talking about a you know, specific star other than the prophecy of Balaam. A star will rise up out of Judah. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of interesting that they may have been prepared for this moment by the prophecies mm-hmm. of Daniel and mm-hmm. Daniel overseeing them, and here, here they are. But more important to the story is not who they are, but where they are coming from. Mm-hmm. Because the prophecy of the Old Testament is all the nations will be drawn to him. And mm-hmm. so we have the first hint of that. We've already had hints, in the, hints of that in the, in the genealogies, you know, when we have uh, you know, Moabites, and uh, we have people from Canaanites mm-hmm. you know, that are part of the genealogy. Uh, but here we have uh, we have men or magi or astrologers or religious people coming from uh, the area of the Gentiles, and they see him 
and they worship him Mm -hmm. and they offer him their gifts and all of these fulfilled prophecies of Jeremiah and uh, Isaiah as well. No, you got to love that. And even how he lets us know right at the start of the chapter two that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, and we know Matthew doesn't really waste any details with the things he mentions here, but mm-hmm. this kind of known as the, the city of David, the, the king of Israel. And then here comes the birth of the true king, Jesus, coming from the same place. And it Absolutely. even makes this earthly king really nervous. Um, and so I love seeing this king who's going to rule over all yeah. the nations. And, and, and you're going to have this conflict. You know, and you're going to have you know, several layers of conflict when you move you know, through the book of Isaiah. But one is definitely with the powers of this world because the coming of the Messiah is, is a threat you know, to the kingdoms and the powers mm-hmm. of, of, of this world, you know, as well as to those, uh, you know, who are religious leaders who have co-opted, you know, the mm-hmm. Old Testament for their own purposes. So the Messiah comes, and he's not so much liberating Israel from uh, the powers of this world, but he is confronting the powers of this world, and he's confronting also the sin of Israel. Mm-hmm. So you have that in uh, John's preaching here as yeah. well. Yeah. He said, uh, who warned you, you know, to come and flee the <laughs> yeah. coming wrath? In other words, the wrath is coming not to Rome. The wrath is, is, is coming to you, and the axe is already at the root of the tree. And, of course, you have a big emphasis on bearing fruit, you know, as the heart of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's just so interesting, just all these areas of prophecy that are being fulfilled. And just even hearing just the... Um, kind of the call to run to Egypt and then the call out of Egypt, mm-hmm. you know. I just love how that is that picture even of Moses as, um, you know, God was delivering his people out of Egypt and calling Moses out. There's just kind of that, just kind of that similarity that I appreciate, but just lots of prophecy. No, and you have, you have two different kinds of prophecy. Mm-hmm. You have in the prophecy of Bethlehem a very straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, predictive prophecy, which yeah. is, most often what we think of when we think of prophecy. So whenever, you know, whenever I hear it goes, you know, to the teachers of the law, they, they can say, you know, that he will definitely be born, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Bethlehem. Then when you come, you know, when you come back, you know, to, um, you know, out of Egypt, I you know, will call my, you know, will call my child. Mm-hmm. That's a part of Israel's story, mm-hmm. how yeah. God rescued them from uh, Egypt. And that becomes a foreshadowing uh, of how uh, Jesus mm-hmm. will fulfill the story of Israel. Yeah. So every time you know that Matthew sees a parallel between Israel's story mm-hmm. and Jesus' story, he sees Jesus as the the greater Israel and the fulfillment right. of all of Israel's you know promises mm-hmm. and the and the better son and the truer son. Mm-hmm. Just as Israel was called the son Israel of God, was called the son of God. Now here's the true and better yeah. son. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So much prophecy. Mm-hmm. So good. And I was even reading, you know, one commentary was mentioning kind of in verse 17 where he begins alluding to the prophet Jeremiah and and how at this time there was this weeping and there was this mourning going on across the land and how many of these women were weeping and mourning because their sons were being called, you know, exiled to Babylon. And now here as these sons are, are being killed um, by the king's order, many women are weeping and mourning, but we still have that hope though, even in all that. Mm-hmm. That there comes one who can reverse the weeping and reverse the mourning and take us out of exile. Mm-hmm. And so even Christ, again, is this huge fulfillment of everything we've seen mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. And a very story. important you know, exile theme mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that, uh, you know, that uh, Israel was weeping as they're carried off in exile. This is a reminder that they are still, mm-hmm. you know, still in exile. And, mm-hmm. and as you've pointed out, the weeping 
uh, will come to an end in, in, the, in the coming king who will wipe away every tear from their eye mm-hmm. and every sorrow. And, of course, restore the presence of God, which is you know, the, even the deeper you know, theme. Mm-hmm. No, and you got to love how through all this we were seeing God at work still continuing mm-hmm. his plan of redemption through his son and how nothing that's going on on the earth is, is able to thwart that. And we see that all throughout the gospel. But yeah. especially here in the beginnings, there's such a mm-hmm. kind of a, an attack on even the, the little young Jesus Christ and, and still God's preserving his story and, and his people and son. And, and of course mm-hmm. you have to no, you know okay. see that in context with the unigenesis promise mm-hmm. uh, where you know talking to the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent will be in contention with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's not only you know uh, not only a threat you know to the worldly powers and a threat to the religious establishment but also a threat you know, to the very dominion of Satan as well. And so you see the satanic hand trying to destroy the seed of the child mm-hmm. you know, from the very beginning. Yeah. And then we see, you know, John the Baptist coming on the scene and, and you know, his words are repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, which they say is mentioned over 50 times in the Gospel of Matthew, this idea of, of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, which is mm-hmm. such a central theme to this gospel how it's going to be, you know, God's people in God's place under God's rule, that that's beginning to be ushered in through Christ. And you you have, you know, you have that nice, you know, little reminder in verse 8, you know, that repentance is not just simply something that happens in the heart, but it's something mm-hmm. that issues in, in a changed life. And, of course, mm-hmm. he tells them, you know, it's, it's one thing to come and to be baptized, but it's another thing to live the fruit of repentance. Mm-hmm. And, and so he says in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then he talks about judgment. Every tree, you know, in verse 10, uh, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea that the gospel is, you know, by grace alone, through faith alone, uh, and, and not through works, but it always produces changed life, who do change lives, that do your works of righteousness which is, is the full heart of the gospel. You got to love as well in verse 9, this idea that you know salvation isn't just kind of this birthright thing of why am I descendant of Abraham? But obviously, you know, salvation, as we'll see, played out more and more is this putting your faith in, in Christ, not just birthright. He can even make some descendants of Abraham from these stones, you know? And so uh, pretty strong language from John. And, of course, he will make descendants of Abraham through faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well. Well, and of course, I love it that Jesus comes to be baptized by John as well. And it was um, kind of interesting in 15 when he says, uh, let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Yeah. And I love that, that he is just continuing to walk in this picture of prophecy and to complete everything. And he's, yeah, does it in such an orderly fashion and, you know, is following the scriptures and all well, of that. Well, and it's, you know, it's uh, Jesus identifying with us both in his baptism and on right. the cross, identifying with our sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only one who did not need a baptism of repentance mm-hmm. <laughs> no. is, is receiving a baptism yeah. of repentance uh, you know, as, as a symbol of him bearing our sin. And, of course, you have this wonderful mm-hmm. moment in Scripture that every, every you know, gospel writer makes so much of, mm-hmm. you know, the affirmation of his sonship from the Heavenly Father. Uh, you know, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased, and so he is there, the fulfillment of not only the Son of David, but also the Son of God who is in, in Israel as well. And, and so you have the divine Son 
and the place where we find blessing in him. So fun read in Matthew. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll really continue is. to notice these parallels yeah. as we read through it. David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful news we get to see here in these opening chapters of, of the Gospel of Matthew. Thank you so much for your wonderful plan of redemption and, and how from the beginning you have been working out this story of your restoration uh, of all things. And so we love how we get to see the, the scriptures fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Help us to look at Christ here in, in chapters 2 and in chapter 3 and to, to marvel at all that he is and all that he is for us in our place and, and all that we receive by faith in him. And so may we uh, marvel and be renewed and refreshed in your story of redemption as it centers us and fixes our eyes and our hearts on your son, um, Jesus Christ. Mm. And so we pray that you cause us to stir up worship and, and delight and joy in our hearts today as we reflect on Jesus. We pray this all in his name. Amen.